two, one. Are we live? Are we live? Got to make sure we're live, baby. All right. It's official. We're live. And the people have spoken. The people have spoken. You have spoken. The Jonathan Cogan Show, which, by the way, if you haven't subscribed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are, or go to anchor.fm forward slash JSK for Jonathan Scott Cogan and subscribe, share it. Because the momentum is at our backs. And I mean us, we, you, and I, because the people have spoken that they do not like censorship. They want the truth and they want to hear it because they can handle it and they can use their independent critical thinking skills. They want authenticity and they don't want bullshit. And that is why we are climbing the charts against all odds. We are taking the world by storm. We are leading this apolitical movement. It is getting so big, so fast across the world because all these people think you got to be political, the political system, political this, political that. We're apolitical through and through. And now you're becoming apolitical. And you want to live an apolitical life, being free, being happy, being part of a community, being loved, being able to do whatever the fuck you want without the government stepping on your toes. I was going to say in your house or on your toes. So let me give you some good news. We're climbing up the charts. And that's because of you. Because people are hungry for an apolitical movement. We've never seen such a movement ever. And I am telling you, in the next decade, this apolitical movement is going to get so big, they cannot ignore us. Maybe even half a decade. You never know. You spread it, share it. Not spread it like COVID, but eh, spread it. Spread it. Whatever. Spread whatever you want. We love freedom. We love independent thought. We love allowing you to do whatever you want with the truth. But sometimes we like to have hypotheses. And on this show today, we are going to explore a hypothesis because we like to challenge things. We like to ask questions. We have a fundamental belief, a core principle, that asking questions is best for peasants, for the people. And if you didn't know, and you haven't been listening to this podcast, you are a peasant, but that's good. It's good. Trust me. It's good. I'm a peasant. We are peasants. We've never lost in history. I mean, we're still here. There's more of us than ever. We have never lost. The problem is the elites are doing a great job dividing us, getting the peasants to bicker at each other like like those issues really matter. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. In the macro, they don't. Because if you keep bickering amongst the peasants, the elites take everything and before you know it, you're a slave. Okay, then you got a totalitarian regime across the world in a one world government, and we don't want that. We don't stand for it. We want to have our own community and we want to address fundamental problems in society. See, when you build a community, and this is from the network state, a book by Biology, I highly recommend you go check it out. The network states are being formed because the current system ain't working. Am I right? I mean, have you noticed? Have you noticed everything is, I don't have really a better word for this, but fucked? Because it is. It's pretty obvious. I mean, if you don't notice, then you're the one that needs like psychiatry or some really like mental help. Okay. If you think everything's running smoothly, you're either under a rock, dead, or need to be institutionalized. And that's okay. That's okay too. We still love you. And you can still be part of the apolitical movement. We don't care. We don't care if you have one leg, two legs, eight legs, nine legs, red, green, blue. We don't care if your hair looks like mine, which is too long. It looks like Dragon Ball Z. It doesn't matter because patience wins. Doing the right thing wins. The truth prevails. So before I go into this topic today, which is super interesting, and again, it's a hypothesis today. Today we are exploring things that should be explored but are not being explored because it doesn't fit the narrative. And we don't like narratives. We like writing our own books of our lives, our own autobiographies. And then if anybody wants to read it, let them read it. I don't even know what I meant by that, but it sounded so profound in my head that I just said it and it slipped. So 
us, we, you, the people are making the Jonathan Cogan show grow. And I want to thank you. I have more gratitude in my heart. The fact that what I'm about to read is somehow true, although it's probably a glitch in the system, but assuming it's not a glitch in the system, which is, it probably is, but whatever. We are getting ranked. It's August. I think this is as August 16th, probably something like that. We are number six in the Saudi Arabia. I don't know why I said the in Saudi Arabia. If you're in Saudi Arabia, I love you. Thank you. Number 33, Germany. Did you guys listen to the Germany, the Germany energy crisis video? Has that gone by or uh, podcast? Has that gone viral? Is that why you guys are listening? Because you guys are awesome. You guys are an awesome country. You might not have energy in the winter, but that's okay. Well, it's not really okay. We got to figure out a solution like really like now. Okay. But that's a whole other issue. Okay. But you're loved. Number 77, Great Britain. What? Love Great Britain. You Brits. Thanks for being a part of the Jonathan, Co- the Jonathan Cogan show. I can't even pronounce it. Number 107, Canada. Let me tell you a little story about Canada. I am, well, we're apolitical, okay? But I was born in what you call a country, and that country is the United States of America. So you're kind of forced into a political system. So growing up as an apolitical young man, it was very difficult. Nobody understood what I was saying. I never really had a voice. But now we have this movement going, and, you know, we're getting on track. Like, things are happening. Things are changing. They can't ignore us forever, not if we get so big. But, and this is true, I was conceived in Canada. And when I was growing up, my father told me I should have kept dancing that night. And that's hurtful as a child. But he used to tell me that. That's the type of family I'm in. You're allowed to say offensive, weird things to people and move on. Okay? Everyone's so touchy-touchy. Like, this podcast ain't for you if, 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 if you got thin skin, you know? If you can't handle authenticity, if you can't handle truth, Go to, go to MSNBC, go to CNN, go to Fox News, stick to the, the protocol, okay? Go back to your mass formation psychosis and enjoy. And we still love you. And the apolitical movement is here for whenever you want to come back and you realize the system isn't for you. It's for the advancement of themselves and their own financial gains and their friends and their families. And they say, screw the normal people. But we don't on this podcast. We pick up where they left off, where they should have never left off. And that is for the people with the people. And that pod, this podcast is forever with the people. Number 110, Ireland. Damn, that one's a new one just popped up. So if you're in Ireland, what's up? You're pretty cool too. I don't know anything about your country, but obviously if you're ranked for the John DeCogan show, you're also awesome. Number 192, United States of America. Yo, if you're listening to this and you're American and you didn't share this with a friend or a family member, how do you think we're going to get up the charts to number one? We got to get to number one. The apolitical movement has to thrive. You know what? It will thrive. It will thrive. You don't need to do that if you don't want. But if you enjoy the content, you appreciate the truth, I'd be super grateful. But we are into individual rights. We are into freedom. And so I don't force you to do anything. Do as you wish. It's just an ask. So thank you, Americans. Or should I say apolitical Americans? And number 238, Singapore. Thank you for being on the list, Singapore. I got nothing really to say about you, except I think you guys have a really clean country. I heard one time that uh, if you like chew gum and like drop it on the ground, you go to like prison for five years or like stoned to death or something. Very strange, very strange. But I've heard great things. One of my best friends lived there for a while, said it was phenomenal. And so we trust him. And that's it. Those are the rankings. So thank you. Again, if you haven't subscribed, and I hate pitching this. I feel like I'm not pitching. I hate this, but I'm just going to say it because I don't want you to miss any other episodes. And I, this momentum's getting me going. I'm like, wow, that people are hungry for an apolitical movement. Like, it's not just me, which is why I started this podcast, because I thought, I truly thought people wanted an apolitical movement. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put everything on the line for the apolitical movement. And either my reputation will be destroyed forever or some magical is going to happen. And let me let let me tell you a secret. I think something magical is going to happen. In fact, after reading those rankings, that's not even a secret. Now, let's dive into the show. I saw something very, very interesting today. 
that I had to make an entire show about it. So this show is a little bit different today. It's an hypothesis. It's to expand the mind, which is healthy. And we are pro-health. We are pro-human. We are pro-do-whatever-the-hell-you-want-with-your-life. And don't do bad things to other human beings. Pretty simple. That's the moral deficit in society. They don't care about humans. They don't care about freedom. They want tyranny. They want more money. We don't care about that stuff. We just like being free. We just like hanging out, no one bothering us, staying in our community. And we realize that because people are so ambitious to control and have power over everyone, like, why? Like, it's enough to control your own life. Why you got to control like a billion or eight billion people? Like, what is that psychotic, Bill Gates? It's psychotic. Klaus Schwab, WEF, WEF. That's psychotic. Why would you even want to do that? I wouldn't want to control myself. I, I could barely police myself. Like, imagine if there were like a billion of me. That's awful. That sounds terrible. It sounds stressful. It sounds hard. It sounds like a lot of friction. And I push through every day. Maybe that's what Klaus and Bill do. Who knows? When they're not on Pedo Island with Jeffrey Epstein, that's what they do. I'm not, 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 not the kids. I mean, that's what they do with their free time, not the kids. We're not supposed to say that, right? Sorry. Um, oh, wait, we don't censor on this podcast. Nope. We tell the truth and we give hypotheses. And that's what we're diving into. Only took me like 11 minutes, 30 seconds to get into it, but I'm enjoying this and I hope you are too. So I heard a really interesting podcast today. It's called, I think it's called Pomp Podcast, Anthony Pompliano, great YouTube channel. He follows crypto, Bitcoin. He's a good dude. I trust him. I like him. He had a guest on today or the other, I don't know, yesterday or something. Dave Colum, who was like a professor at Cornell, is like a chemist, very smart guy. And there was something very interesting right at the beginning. And I'm going to play the clip in a second. But basically... They're talking about like the economy and how bad it is and basically how messed up the world is. I actually highly implore you to go listen to it. It's a lot of what we say on this podcast explained very well, but from like an economics point of view strictly. And like, you know, how is this all going to unfold? It seems like the whole world's like going to shit, which it is, but you know, we have faith in the human race and things will ultimately get better, but we're going to dive a little deeper into this rut and then we will rise like a phoenix from the ashes, whatever that means. And he said, and he said, um, What's baffling to me is the labor force participation. Like, where did everybody go? And he goes, it's so, it feels so eerie out here. Okay. It feels so eerie. Where did everyone go? And when he asked people at like, you know, restaurants and stuff, they go, oh, they just work for somebody else. But he does that everywhere. And he's like, it doesn't seem like there is a somebody else employer where everybody's understaffed, the services are bad, and yet they're trying to hire, they're paying a lot of money, but they can't get people. So it popped off in my head that I have a thesis or a hypothesis. What if, I don't know if that's how you start. Okay, let me say this. If millions of people have been injured by the vaccine or have died, then are there not enough people to fill the workforce as much as they're supposed to be? So we're going to get into two segments here, which is I'm going to play this clip questioning that and how it's weird and unexplainable. And then a great interview with Steve Kirsch. Go check out his Substack, which a lot of you might have came to this podcast from his Substack. So thank you. And as you know, then Steve Kirsch is a very trustworthy source and knows his shit. Why am I about to censor myself? I almost self-censored there and said, crap. I don't say crap. I say shit. So yeah, I need to stick with my authenticity. Can't change my ways. I'm not self-censoring. That's so dangerous. Censorship is bad. Just so bad. Terrible. Anyways, back on topic. Talks about how millions and millions of people have been injured by the COVID-19 vaccine or killed by it. And that worldwide, it's probably even in the country that it could be tens of millions. So if that's true and there are all these jobs open paying very like a lot of money, hmm, could it be a little bit of a connection there? My gut, and I feel like my energy system isn't, and this sounds wacko, okay, but I'm not the psycho, okay? I'm not part of WEF, okay? I'm a peasant just like you, but just, come on, 
listen to me on this one. My energy is pretty in tune. Like I told you guys know by now I'm, I'm good at one thing and that's pattern recognition, pattern recognition, human behavior, just getting a, a weird, like feeling for something like just how, what someone means by something, they're being authentic or like what's going to happen time together, like a ton of different events into one, you know, story to, that makes sense. Like that. It's like something I've had my whole life. I, I don't really know how to explain it. I suck shit at everything else. Okay. I really, I'm terrible at everything. So it's my only good, I don't know, attribute, let's say, besides being kind, nice person, try and do the right thing. And I think there's a connection here and we're going to go and we're going to, let me just play the clip. And then we were going to into the data and we're going to see if it would make sense that we can solve the mystery of the missing labor force. So I think this is fascinating. I think we might have something here. I'm curious what you think. If you have, if you do think anything about it, leave in the comments because this is unproven. I don't know. It's just a theory. So let me play this by the way. This episode uh, for on the Pomp Podcast, and you can search on YouTube, is I, I put everything in the show notes. So you can just click. I always put everything in the show notes under one link. All you have to do is click that e-link, and it opens up all of the sources that I use for that particular episode. But anyways, it's called Everything is Worse Than You Think, and it's with Dave Colum. I believe that's how you say his name. Fantastic. So here we go. Take a listen. And when we look at something like the labor market, uh, obviously the Federal Reserve and many other organizations continue to point to a strong labor market. And they're specifically looking at the unemployment rate sitting, you know, 3.5, 3.6%, uh, open roles in America, 10, 11 million, depending on the week. Uh, is it something where the labor market will be a lagging indicator of a recession or trouble? And we should expect those numbers to degrade in the coming months? Or can we actually get this like stagflationary period and the labor market stay strong, but people are being hurt uh, on the real wage front? Well, you, you put in a premise there. Um, I, I don't think it's a strong labor market. I think it's a broken labor market. <laughs> so if you look at labor force participation, it's pathetic. It's, it's bad. And so the fact that somehow labor and management are not meeting eye to eye to come up with 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 a, a working arrangement um, means that price discovery in the labor market is broken. I, I, I just it, I, I don't I would never call this a strong labor market. It, it, it I I'd call it tight, but it's tight because it's not working, right? The it, the food market is tight when there's no bread on the shelves, right? Same thing. Yeah, it, explain a little bit more what you mean by uh, it's tight but it's not working. Well, again, back to labor force participation. We've got a ton of people who are not working, and I can't even tell you why. It's it's a surreal thing. It's like if you walked out in the woods and there was no no birds and no squirrels, and you go, "There's something wrong here, right? There's something creepy quiet." And uh, and whenever I ask, um, and every establishment I go into, everyone they look understaffed to me. And they act under staff, right? So you're getting lousy service. You're a Walmart. You can't find anyone to ask a question to, right? That sort of thing. You go to a restaurant. They're short of labor. They've got signs in the door, help wanted. And I ask them, where are your workers? Where did they go if they're not working here? And they always say, oh, somewhere else. But I haven't found this mystical, mystical employer. They just... And I don't know how they're putting food on the table. So I'm just completely and utterly baffled. If someone knows, send me an email, bbc6 at cornell.edu. <laughs> you know anything about anything that I don't know about, send me an email. I'm, my email box is a shitstorm, but you know, can't get much worse. So when, when you look at the labor market, uh, every restaurant that I go to, uh, I ask two questions, you know, how much have prices increased uh, here? It's never 8.5%. It always tends right. to be teens or higher. Uh, and then also, uh, I see the help wanted signs uh, on top of it. And I always ask, well, how much have you tried to raise the pay in order to elicit uh, applications. And so there's a restaurant here uh, in Miami that uh, I recently was talking to, and he's like, I need dishwashers. And he said, I used to be able to pay, you know, $10, then it was 12, then it was 14. He's like, now we're offering 18, can't get anyone. And he has no clue. He, he's just as perplexed as you are in terms of where, where did everyone go? Why is it that we've increased uh, over the last, you know, three years or so from $10 to $18, and we still can't get anyone to fill the role. And so I, I thought that was really weird. $18 for a dishwasher uh, feels like a high price given maybe where we're all anchored. But then I went and I started to look at other uh, average wages. And Amazon, for example, the average Amazon worker gets paid over $17 an hour. 
they're paying some people, you know, 20, 22, $24. And so it feels like wages, although they are going up in aggregate dollar amount, they're not keeping up with inflation, but it's a very different story than maybe what the mainstream talking points are of like, you know, Amazon screws over their workers. Like politicians are trying to implement $15 an hour. Amazon's paying 17. It just feels to your point, like I'm confused and I don't know why I'm confused, but I don't understand what's happening. Well, the one theory I heard from a, an uber smart, an uber famous guy, and I never know whether I should name a name or not, but um, you'd know him if I said his name. Um, he uh, had him over for dinner and, and he pointed out two important things. One is he said that um, unrelated, but still worth putting in your quiver, uh, that $18 trillion worth of U.S. debt is going to roll over in the next two years. $18 trillion. $18 trillion. Um, and then he said that uh, he thought that maybe it was during the lockdown, the, uh, the, the illegal aliens had to go home because there was nothing here. And then they haven't made it back. Mm. Uh, that, that's, it, it strikes me as a funny trickle up economics, right? These guys were kind of off radar. But if, if all of a sudden there's a couple million people missing, then, this, then you're playing uh, you know, some screwy game of Connect Four or something, where it's, it's, it's the, the patterns are changing. I don't know. Yeah. One of the, uh, the, the themes, I don't know, maybe through the end of last year was a great resignation. All these people were quitting their jobs, even in the beginning of this year. So I'll stop it there. I played more than I planned because we don't want to take clips out of context. We're not the mainstream media. They even talked about, oh, different narrative than the mainstream media. Oh, what a shock. First of all, not only does the mainstream media not focus on the real topics that you really need to know about, like the famine that's coming up and the engineered food shortage, which you can go listen to that episode. It's one of the most interesting ones I did, I think. Uh, I forget what it's called. The food, the food crisis is worse than I thought, I believe. It's like four ago. Um, but they don't cover that, right? They don't do that. They cover things when it's too late for you to fix the situation. They cover it when it's out of your control to make your life better. It seems like they are in tandem with the huge business interest and the government as like a third arm to advance their priorities. Huh? Doesn't it seem like they're all on the same team and we weren't invited to be on it? Is this why the Jonathan Cogan show is gaining some traction? Because everyone else is realizing the BS we've been fed for an agenda that we are somehow not a part of. I don't care what country you're in. Okay. It doesn't matter. You're a human and I'm a human. Most likely we're both apolitical. You may have been a Republican before. If you're in the U S you may have been a Democrat before if you're in the U S you may have been an independent. And none of that worked out well. So now you're like, I want to be part of the apolitical movement. And it's phenomenal to have you. But even if you're in somewhere else in the world, it doesn't matter party affiliation. The system is corrupt. I can only speak to the United States of America because that's where I live. I have I, I lived in Bermuda, which is the UK. Shut up, Great Britain. That's Queens Island. She owns that. Like the whole thing, the whole system is shattered and so exposed it's disgusting. It's worse than a swamp. They call it like draining the swamp. It's worse than a swamp. It's like a big, it's like a big pile of poop that just keeps getting more poopy. It's disgusting. And it stinks. It's like stale. Oh, I can't even talk about it. I'm starting to like somehow smell it. I'm like manufacturing a smell just like they're manufacturing a food shortage, but aren't telling you about it. The only things they tell you are the things that advance their profits, that give them financial gains, and ultimately make your life worse and their life better. They see the world as a zero-sum game. We see life as an abundant game where everybody can get theirs if they try, okay? They think that in order to build the tallest building in town, they must tear yours down. We think that's false. On this show, we believe you can leave that building and build the tallest building right next to it because there is an abundant amount of land. That is a metaphor, but it's good. And I think that's a metaphor. I think that's what you call it. I was never good at grammar and English. I'm a math guy, but I'm doing my best because I'm doing it for you. Now back to the topic. They're baffled. These are smart people, very smart people. So when they said, oh, I'm baffled, I'm confused. I don't even know why I'm confused. I 
Should I just read the comment that I posted that I left as a comment? And he gave his email address like, oh, you know, like if you have any answers or tell, like email me, I emailed him. Let me read what I emailed him. Just give me a second here. I'm going to pull it up. I wasn't planning on doing this, but this is the comment I left. And this is what I emailed him because I believe in transparency and I believe in you. No matter who you are, I believe in you. Now let's see if we can get the truth here. Here we go. I wrote subject line, labor force theory from Pomp's podcast. I go, hi, Dave. Fantastic interview with Pomp. I heard what you said about the labor force and I wanted to reach out with a theory. This is what I commented on Pomp's video and I put the, a screenshot of it. And it says from the Jonathan Cogan show, hello, Pomp. Can I give an unpopular but possibly true theory on the quote weirdness of the labor market? If you look at the data regarding vaccine injured and vaccine deaths, it's definitely in the millions for the USA, tens of millions worldwide from many estimates. Is it possible that because millions of people have either been injured or died from this and were previously in the labor force but now quote can't be in but now can't be in the labor force would explain this eerie label market we're in? I can speak to this more, but in this video, you guys even said if it were a couple million people that quote unquote disappeared, it would disrupt the labor force in major ways. I'm thinking that there actually is no mystical employer, but rather a shortage of workers available to work. Thoughts? And then I wrote underneath it. What do you think? Would this potentially explain the weirdness going on? I could speak more to it if you're interested in a conversation or feel free to listen to my podcast, The John the Kogan Show. Yeah, I plug it everywhere, baby, all day, every day. It's fine. It's cool. We're getting momentum. The apolitical movement. Um, if you're interested, it would be great to hear your thoughts on this because I believe you are spot on with many of your opinions from the podcast. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Obviously, we'll probably never hear from him because we're apolitical. But it's okay. We're going to get loud enough. I know we are. I know these rankings will get higher and I know people are going to hear our voices. But does that make sense to you? Or is that really, really out there? And why don't we just get into the next video, um, which is with Steve Kirsch, who is probably the biggest vaccine safety advocate in the world uh, on the Charlie Kirk show. And it's a long one, uh, the show, but I'm going to play like the part about, you know, explain the data. And I've done this before in previous podcasts, but this is a different clip and I'm going to play this one. And we're going to match together the millions that are missing from the labor market for unexplained reasons, unexplained, baffled, you know, baffled. People are dying suddenly, baffles doctors, you know, people having adverse events to the vaccine, it baffles the government. People are unhappy, it baffles President Biden, like that stuff, you know what I'm saying? So let me play this and then we're going to tie the two together and see if I'm out of my mind which has been proven time and time again, actually is not true. Unfortunately, I wish I'd been out of my mind, but it's all coming true and it scares the crap out of the shit out of me. I censored myself. Sorry. So here is Steve Kirsch on the Charlie Kirk show talking about the amount of people who have been killed or injured. And could it explain the gap and weirdness in the labor market? I think we are onto something here. And I'd be curious to, to hear what you think. Let me play this for you. Here you go. Something I learned in life is that the truth is usually found in those who are willing to sacrifice for it. Usually. That's a general rule of life. That the people that are willing to take financial or social hits, they usually have figured something out that the rest of us probably should pay attention to. There's exceptions to that, obviously. You know, like, for example, people that do airplanes into towers. That's an exception. Those people are insane. But the point is that generally in life, you have someone like Brett Weinstein, yourself, Malone, Corey. This has not been an easy chapter or moment. Cancellation, condemnation, smear articles. And the other side, they get nothing but benefits and promotions. Fauci, Burks, they get book deals. They get cable television appearances. So, so Steve, for some of our audience that haven't heard you before, heard some of this data, and they're probably compelled by some of the things you've been saying so far. Walk us through in detail, how much damage has this vaccine done? Give us some numbers. Well, yeah, I think the, the, uh, the biggest deaths, um, and if you look at the various numbers, you'll see uh, numbers like 25,000, but you have to flip the switch if you go to openvirus, uh, uh, I think it's .com, 
uh, you have to flip the switch to just look at the U.S. numbers. The U.S. numbers are around 13,000 in VARES, but you have to realize that VARES is underreported by a factor of about 41. So you take 41, multiply that by 12,000, and you get over 500,000 Americans who have lost their lives to the vaccine. Now, people would say, oh, Veras, that's unreliable. You, you can't calculate this 41 a number from anaphylaxis because deaths will be reported more than anaphylaxis and so forth. And so there's all sorts of uh, people will, will do these hand, what, what we call hand-waving arguments, meaning they have no data behind them. They're, they're just done for... Uh, to obscure uh, the real data. And, but you see, when we do the surveys, when we do outreach surveys, and we've done it with five different companies now, and we ask people, how many people in your household have been killed by COVID, died, died from COVID? How many have died from the vaccine? Guess what? We, get, we, we will get up to like three times more people saying that, uh, that, that have died from the vaccine than have died from COVID. Now, if you believe that a million people have died from the vaccine, then that's 3 million people that have died, sorry, if a million people have died from, from COVID, then that means that 3 million people, and, and the, the surveys you know, uh, may not be super accurate, but you know, order of magnitude, you know, suggest that at least a million people have died from the vaccine. So this number of 500,000 that we get from VAERS is confirmed when we do actual outreach and polling to people. And it's also confirmed with the anecdotes. You know, and there's one thing about anecdotes. The anecdotes don't lie. And the anecdotes are simply unexplainable. Yes. Well, right? yeah. and to add Wayne on to Root. that though, the, the anecdotes don't know the other anecdotes, right? So an <laughs> anecdote, for example, an anecdote can be misleading, someone could exaggerate, but someone giving you an individual anecdote doesn't know the next five you're gonna hear. Right. So therefore, if you hear the same anecdote 500 times, they're in no collusion or coordination with one another. So and if they're all saying the same thing with creepy precision, then you say, OK, now that's what we call a trend. Let me ask you, though, how did you get the 41 factor number? So the way you do the 41 factor is you use the CDC's own methodology or computing the underreporting factor in VAERS. And so that's exactly what we did. And we've asked the CDC, in fact, there was a former New York Times reporter who asked the CDC, hey, can, can you show us the underreporting factor that you calculated? And they refused to respond to him. So the underreporting factor that, that, that you calculate, you, you, you do it to know. And so there was a scientific experiment done at Mass General Hospital where they looked at the anaphylaxis rate after vaccination. And so they know what that number is. So then you go to the VARES, so you know the absolute numbers. And so then you go to the VARES data and you, you know how many people have been vaccinated and you know how many VARES reports you got for anaphylaxis. And you say, oh my gosh, that is a factor of 41 underreported. So clearly we're only seeing a small fraction of it. Now for deaths, uh, deaths are typically le uh, less reported than anaphylaxis is because anaphylaxis is obvious. When you have anaphylaxis, it happens right after you get the shot. You can see the anaphylaxis reaction and you have to report it. But if you see a death, it could be a death from a car accident. And so you're not going to report it because you don't know that the person blacked out because of the vaccine. You know, just like people are dropping dead in plain sight. You know, they're, they're, they're a comedian and they're talking and they, they suddenly just keel over and either die or are unconscious. And so that can lead to all of these sort of bike accidents or other accidents that happen, car accidents that happen that are not attributed and nobody even knows their vaccination status of the bodies. And, and typically these medical examiners do not have the vaccination status. So people are not able to report uh, the deaths as well as they are uh, something like anaphylaxis. So it's at least 40 times underreported and probably more, which says that there are at least a half a million so, deaths. And that's just from VARES alone, but it's confirmed with the polling data that shows it's probably more like a million people have been killed. And we've seen uh, for the uh, disability roles, we've seen it go up by, by millions since the vaccines rolled out. And we have the Medicare all-cause mortality deaths are at an all-time high. And the CDC refuses to show the American people 
the Medicare all-cause mortality numbers because they're through the roof. That's why we're not seeing the data. Any data that is bad is not going to be shown to us. So let me ask you, how does that square with the German Ministry of Health numbers that came out where they admitted one out of 5,000 people were getting their COVID shot is experiencing a serious side effect? How, do, well, do the numbers correlate or does it at least lead in a general direction of suspicion? Yes, it's much more than that. You know, the Israeli government did their survey, uh, their outreach survey. They didn't put it on their website in any place that people could see it. They posted it only to their Telegram channel. And their survey showed, uh, for example, 4% had neurological damage after the vaccine. So this is the Israeli government survey showing 4% for neurological damage alone was 4%. So this lends credibility to surveys that show a 10% uh, uh, vaccine injury from all causes like what uh, Children's Health Defense uh, got from the Zogby poll and the, uh, the uh, uh, 11% and 13% vaccine injury rate that we got on, on our polls. And, and so these numbers are, are simply through the roof. And even the anecdotes that I get, like I, I got an anecdote from uh, one of the, uh, the Monte Vista Christian School in Watsonville, California. And they had at least four vaccine injured, and they have like 800 kids total, 400 are boys, not all of them are vaccine injured. So you're looking at a huge rate of myocarditis, which is much, much greater in real life than what they're telling you. And I'm getting the, I'm hearing the same stories from people in the military. Uh, these military surgeons are saying that it's probably somewhere between one and 4% of, of uh, these uh, pilots who are, have myocarditis. Uh, because of the shots. So the numbers that you're hearing from the officials simply do not match uh, what the numbers are that you're you're seeing very consistently from all of the anecdotes. Steve, tell our Don't worry. Your government loves you. Your government cares about you. They don't want to share the data and be transparent with you because they're so scared that you are going to be so excited that you're going to get myocarditis. And by the way, don't worry if you that happens because it'll be mild myocarditis, even though that's an oxymoron and there's no such thing as mild myocarditis. It's a severe problem. It's an inflammation of the heart that is permanent. How much bullshit do we need to endure to get the truth into the public sphere? Or should I say the traditional public sphere? Because in our sphere, we talk about the truth. We debate. We have difficult discussions. We poke. We ask questions. And we don't believe the powers that be are on our team. And so we question them until there's no more questions left. And even when we ask them a question that we know the answer to, we get that answer that we expected, we are happy we asked the question because questions are best for the peasants. So let me get into some of this. And before I get into it, uh, there's a, uh, uh, a doctor, Naomi Wolf, verified uh, these claims from Steve Kirsch in her Substack, NaomiWolf.Substack.com, called American Massacre. Steve Kirsch claims hundreds of thousands of mRNA vaccine-related deaths, millions of injuries. Is he right? I am inclined to say yes. Here is why. And she uses all the data, getting to the German study, and we're going to dive into that. But before that, from Steve Kerr's Substack, he has a great picture. And it says, truth does not mind being questioned. A lie does not like being challenged. That to me says a lot. Now, I know that science is synonymous with Anthony Fauci. I know that our medical establishment is never wrong. I know our government cares about us so much, they would never weaponize food to implement a digital ID program and starve out the population and go to war and kill people in other countries. They would never do that. I know that, okay? They are a reincarnation of angels from heaven, even though that wouldn't be a reincarnation. Whatever is good in life is the government and powers that be. In fact, Klaus Schwab looks like an angel himself. Are you out of your fucking mind? He looks like a fucking villain character, like out of a cartoon, okay? And he talks like one. He is a schmuck. 
and he's tied to the Nazis. And we got eugenics going on at the same thing the Nazis did, which is why the Nuremberg Code was developed, which we did on the last podcast, which, by the way, I want to clarify because I, I learned more about that. And sometimes we're wrong on this podcast. So that, that Nuremberg trial is in the court of public opinion. So they are trying to get it into the real court systems in any country, but no country is willing to take it because they've corrupted the courts. All the political systems are corrupted. Basically, there's no apolitical forces out there that are strong enough to get into and infiltrate, infiltrate the political system. But it's a movement that we're starting here and we're trying to get to that point. And I'm sure many others are. So that was for the public. That was for the, the, the court of public opinion. That was for us to see. That was not an actual trial that is in the court system because no judge is willing to take it yet. I have a feeling that won't be forever, but I, I did not get clear answers as to why besides just corrupt and they won't take it. I didn't get anything more than that about the trial being in an actual courthouse, like in the United States or something like that. But it was an unbelievable monologue and opening statement. And I'll tell you what, in the people's court or, or the people's court of public opinion, man, they got me. I'm sure they got you. Very, very good. And stuff we've been preaching on here forever. So let's get into Zdata. Um, if you're if you're watching this on the Spotify, because obviously we're not on the tube because they can't handle the truth, as we know, because they are banning the Jonathan Cogan show twice now and one more, and we're gone forever. So if you're watching on Rumble, Rumble's the new cool thing, by the way. There's some other ones. So let's get into Zdata. So she says, most controversially, perhaps though, Kirsch stated that hundreds of thousands of people had died from the mRNA injections and that millions had suffered injuries related to these injections. And then this was on, this was a couple podcasts ago about the, the bombshell on Fox News. We should just call him Bombshell Steve. On Fox News, he snuck in there. The million line, the amazing line of, with Brian Kilmeade, the host responded, so you know, we can't verify those numbers. These are numbers that you have. And basically, Dr. Naomi Wolf said, Hell no. I will verify that on my own because we are independent media creators. We are out to seek the truth and we want to do what is best for the people. She says other outlets were shy of either verifying or debunking Kirsch's claims. Do you see a pattern here that whenever you go against the narrative, it's just, oh, they're bad. They're a super spreader of misinformation. They're the worst thing that ever happened to mankind. They're a dangerous society. Do you want to debate them? Nope. They're so bad. We can't debate them. Nope. Do you want to talk to them? Absolutely not. We must deplatform them and censor them until nobody hears them because our narrative is so truthful that if they heard their misinformation, the people would be so confused. Come on. You're not dumb. See, the thing that's different with this podcast and the mainstream is I truly, genuinely believe you are not stupid. I genuinely believe you know what's going on here. And that you realize the whole system is messed up. The whole thing is fucked. And I know that you're smart in your own way. I definitely, I definitely know that you have critical thinking skills that you want to use. You want the information to make your own decision. I'm not here to make decisions for you. I'm here just to get you the data. I can't make decisions before you. Like I said earlier, I can barely make decisions for myself. That is hard enough. I have zero interest in making your decisions. Zero. Okay? I got enough on my plate with myself. Let's get back to it. So let us now ask, is Kirsch indeed correct about the claims he makes regarding the scale of the deaths and scale of the injuries and illnesses from the mRNA vaccines? She says, I believe that Kirsch is indeed correct in his conclusions, but you do not have to rely on his arguments or his sources to reach this conclusion. I reached that conclusion not so much from the evidence that Kirsch provides, but rather, I believe that his conclusions are right from drawing on my independent research and from identifying other sources. Did you hear that? Independent research. That is your job. I'm just trying to make it more efficient for you by doing the independent research, but that's to make my own decision. You need to make your own decisions. On the John the Kogan show, we don't make your decisions. We want to help, but we have zero interest in making your decisions forever and always, period. We're all about free thought. We don't want to shape your thoughts. Kirsch has commissioned seven third-party polls that have sample sizes of 500 or more. In these, which by the way, it's crazy how low that number is. That is the amount of people that are in 
like the polls when they say like the, the, the president's approval rating or like on any news channel, like what percent of people think we're going in the right direction? And it's like a survey of like 600 people by landline. Like what? Like what, what world are we in in 2022? It feels like we're in 1704. I'm sure that was a good year, but damn. In these polls, 7.6% of households questioned reported what the respondent concluded was one or more deaths within the household contributed or sorry, attributed to the COVID-19 vaccine. 9.3% of respondents reported that they themselves were injured by the COVID-19 vaccine. Over half of these said that they had to seek medical treatment. Sounds like a good business model for big pharma. This is suggestive and useful as a starting point for independently funded peer-reviewed research. But there is a flaw with even good third-party polls. People who have been injured or lost a loved one may be more likely to speak to a pollster, or the flaw can go in the other direction. People may be afraid to tell a stranger that they concluded that someone in their household was injured or killed by the mRNA vaccines. Then she says, lastly, Kirsch relies on the VAERS data, which is vaccine adverse events reporting system in case you didn't know missed the previous podcasts the VAERS database and projects from it i think that projecting from the VAERS database is important to indicate a general signal that again requires more investigation but that is too hypothetical a figure to invoke as a confirmed fact as we don't know if the VAERS database underreports by a factor of 10 or a factor of 41 times which is kirsch's estimate or by some other variable. All we know for certain is that VAERS significantly underestimates and the government doesn't have a good track record of telling the truth lately, right? I do agree with Kirsch's numbers though by looking as noted to at other sources. And this is what we all should do. There is shockingly little actual peer-reviewed research comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated populations and seeing objectively from a large sample size who is getting sick and who is dying post-mRNA vaccination. Until that body of research exists, we all need to do, we all, we all, what? We all need to review multiple sources and investigate their conclusions for ourselves. By the way, go listen to the podcast. It's only five minutes long. It's like, I don't know, eight ago about uh, the an opinion piece from a vaccinated Australian writer. And what, they, what she says in that letter that I read out loud is that thank God for the unvaccinated, for staying unvaccinated through all this so we have a control group. Think about that. They didn't want to have a control group, did they? That's why after the study, when it was first in the trials, the unvaccinated group, they fully, Fauci fully vaccinated them or the, the, they fully vaccinated. So everybody, whether they were unvaccinated or vaccinated, all got vaccinated. So if we didn't have people who stayed unvaccinated, we would have no control group. Was that an accident or was that on purpose? I think the last couple of years show that was on purpose and evil. All solid evidence, though, points to the serious scale of harms that Kirsch invoked. The German government, what's up, Germany? Good to, good to have you here. Seriously, appreciate you. The German government found that 0.3% of those who received the mRNA vaccine reported injuries. And all the sources are in the notes. I'm not going to go through all of them, okay? But she links to them. Toby Young found that the German government data show one in 300 injured after vaccination. One in 300 on what fucking earth? Do we mass vaccinate people when one in 300 people are injured after the vaccination? Are you out of your fucking mind? I'm sick of that. That is so sick. I don't care what your beliefs are on the vaccine, on this and that, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. If any amount of people get injured after the vaccination, that's greater than like, I don't know, 500 people at most, maybe 100. Shouldn't we consider taking it off the market and just like, I don't know, trying a better formula that, or maybe sharing the ingredients list that nobody knows what's in it. Hmm. Wow. They care so much, but they don't want to tell you what's in it. Wow. Interesting. Oh man. Another, sorry, I get riled up over this. It makes me upset. Another, it makes me sad. Actually, another investigator in Germany found that 0.8% of the mRNA vaccinated struggled with serious side effects, or should we just say serious effects? Because I don't know if they are side effects. 
I'm starting to think they're effects because you can go listen to the depopulation episode, but there's an agenda at play here. And there's overwhelmingly a lot of evidence that shows that, but it's still not confirmed. I don't know how you confirm that. So we'll say effects. We're going to take outside with serious effects and that the percentage and that that percentage was in line with data from other countries. Quote, Worries about high rates of serious vaccine effects have been raised before in Germany. In May, Professor Harald Mathies, a scientist leading a separate study into the safety of the vaccine, said that according to his data, around 0.8% of vaccinated people in Germany were struggling with serious, we'll say it, side effects. This was in line with international evidence, he said, and much more needs to be done to help them. And that is a huge reason why we're doing this podcast is to help them. So please, I've said before, reach out to me if you want to come on. If there's any help, if there's any way I can help, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Quote, the number is not surprising. It corresponds to what is known from other countries such as Sweden, Israel, or Canada. Incidentally, even the manufacturers of the vaccines had already determined similar values in their studies. Most side effects, including severe ones, subside after three to six months and 80% heal. But unfortunately, there are also some that last much longer. In view of around half a million cases with serious side effects after COVID vaccination in Germany, we doctors have to take action. We have to come to therapy offers, discuss them openly at Congresses and in public without being considered anti-vaccination. A board member from an insurer in Germany, BKK, came forward with numbers that support Steve Kirsch's estimates of millions of vaccine injuries in a given country of millions of vaccinated citizens. A search of the databases of all BKK health insurance companies found that from January to August 2021, around 217,000 of about 11 million BKK policyholders had to be treated for vaccine side effects. Andreas Schoafbach, sorry about the pronunciation there, the board member who spoke out told Die Welt, according to our calculations, we consider 400,000 doctor visits by our insured persons due to vaccination complications to date to be realistic. Extrapolated to the total population, this figure would be 3 million. That comes out as around 10 times higher than the official figure from the Paul Elric Institute, the government agency responsible for vaccinations. So in Germany alone, a credible source tasked with compensating disability claim reports 217,000 of 11 million or 1.97% two-dose mRNA vaccine recipients required medical treatment. If there are 83.7 million Germans of whom 63.1 million are two-dose vaccinated, that translates into about 1,243,070 medically injured or sickened Germans. If you extend that percentage of the injured or sick to the 261,981,618 Americans with at least one dose of mRNA vaccines, the figure provided by the CDC or the, quote, fully vaccinated 223,457,170 with two doses that would be at least 4,402,106 vaccine-sickened or vaccine-injured Americans. If you are one of them, I told you, you're not alone. Keep hope. Be strong. We're connecting everybody. We're creating our own network state here. I'm telling you, this will all make sense. We're building our own community over the network, the internet, and then it'll become a physical place when it's time. Okay, we're branching off from the political system into an apolitical community where everybody can do right for all humans and promote birth rates, promote health, promote leaving people the fuck alone and good podcasts. So Steve Kirsch is right about millions of injuries and illnesses using this insurance industry and government database derived metric. Last paragraph. As we saw above. Solid data are coming in from government databases that even more conservatively show mRNA vaccine injuries to be 0.3 to 0.8% of total vaccinated. In the U.S., using this even more cautious metric, if 0.3 to 0.8% of 223,457,170 
suffer serious illnesses of injuries. It is still a figure ranging from about 670,200 people to 1,787,200 people. Numbers that are way too high. If it is the higher range, Steve Kirsch is right about millions of mRNA vaccinated injuries. If so, the figure is about the same as the number of Americans diagnosed with cancer every year. That is, mRNA vaccine injuries would now represent a catastrophic public health problem. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? My heart's broken. My morale just went very low. But I think there's a connection between these missing people that you heard in that first part and the vaccine injured and deaths. We like to have very challenging hypotheses. We like to ask questions. We like to connect dots all over the place. Connect four, connect five, connect eight. On this podcast, we connect nine million dots. Okay? For you. Yes, for you. So do we have something here? Are we onto something? Are we crazy? Are we not? Doesn't this make sense or does it not? I think it does. And I think we should be asking more questions about this. If I'm missing something here, leave in the comments. Let me know because I think we're onto something big. It makes a lot of sense to me. Again, it may not be right, but it's something. It's a starting point. And the government doesn't want you to have a starting point because they know that if you have a starting point, that means you can reach the ending point. And the ending point means they are fucked. But on this podcast, we are always for the people. And that's it. We really are. You know, we don't give you a false illusion of freedom. We give you freedom. We don't even give it to you. We don't have to because you have it. You can't take it away. It's a human right. Okay. You don't need to lock down and shut down your small business. Hell no. We love small businesses on this podcast. We want to shut down FedEx and Walmart. Okay. We want small businesses to pop up everywhere. And if you are in a community with small businesses and you're going to Walgreens or if you're in another country and you got some other weird chain shit like that, like, you know, big companies, go to a local place next time. Give that $5 to a local business instead of that chain. If we all start shifting our spending to local small businesses in our community rather than these massive chains, that in itself will, called, will, will, will cause a huge disruption in the community in a good way. Like those are ways we can fight back. Tactics like that add up. Like it matters. So think twice next time you go to some massive chain. Think about going a, another block or two or another couple miles to the local place. You'll feel better too. You can make a friendship with someone there, okay? You're not just a number on a spreadsheet. You are a human. And they're like, hey, Doug, it's good to have you back. You still want that that, that cream latte or whatever the, I don't know, whatever that is. Yeah, sure, Sherry. Thanks for getting me that. Okay, great. All right, great. Here, here's the money. Boo-boo. You see how great that was? It was fantastic. Okay. I'm drawing the line there on this podcast. Uh, today, of course, we'll be back tomorrow. If no one told you yet today, I love you and many other people out there love you. Okay. You're not alone. There's a lot of people that are in this fight with you. There are warriors like Steve Kirsch and other people on the battlefield for you. We are getting our world back. This is the planet of the people. And for the people, it shall stay. These elites can go fuck themselves. Okay, we are going to hold on and we're going to fight for our planet and we're going to play as big of a role as we can on this podcast. However big that is, I have no idea, but apparently in Saudi Arabia, it's becoming a big deal. So again, share with your friends, post on social media, whatever we can do to move this apolitical movement forward. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's go for the juggernaut. Is that a good word? That's the word I want to use. Let's go for the juggernaut. If you want to uh, subscribe, that'd be awesome. Or leave a, a comment, a review. I mean, or either. Um, but if you leave a five-star review, if you think this is any good, I don't know. Maybe it's a total glitch in the system that anybody's listening to this because there's no way. There's that many people listening to this, but who knows? If you do like it, five-star rating helps with the algorithm. And uh, it helps, you know, more people to see it, which is awesome. So, but you it's all about freedom of action. That's what we do. And um Listen, I hope you have a great day, great night, great afternoon, great what?
ever. I don't even care what you call it. Just have an amazing time today until you go to bed and do a good thing for somebody else and it will make you feel better and that shit will ripple through the culture. We're fighting and we're going to get our freedoms back. I don't care what anyone says. This world is ours. And this time, let's fix the system. Let's take it down and rebuild it from an apolitical, pro-human being standpoint. Again, the Jonathan Cogan Show. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash JSK for what? Jonathan Scott Cogan. And you could check any other episodes there. You could share it. You could do whatever the hell you want. I do not care. And again, for the people, by the people, FUBU. I love you. I'm Jonathan Cogan. It's great being with you today. Take care. Peace.